0: Okay, I'm going to share my screen. We can do the prayers. Hold on. No, that wasn't it.
1: Why is this? Sorry.
0: Give me a second here. Okay, there we go. Do you guys see it? Yes. One thirty. Okay, very good. So um, this is from the book of Psalms. For those of you who are not familiar, the book of Psalms was written by King David. King David lived a very, very complicated life with many highs and lows. And in all his highs and lows, he turned to God and he wrote one hundred and fifty poems called Psalms and that is the book of psalms that is part of our torah and it is a time honored tradition in judaism to turn to the book of psalms when we're in trouble when we need prayers when we need help um so that is what we are going to do together today so this is a copy of my book conversations with god if you happen to have the book you can just open it up to the very back of the book this is on page 202 or if not you could just follow along with us We'll say it first in English so that you know what you're saying and then we'll say it um, together in Hebrew. And even if you can't read Hebrew, we have it here in English letters so you can say it along with us. Okay, a song of ascents. From the depths I call to you, God. God, listen to my voice. May your ears be attuned to the sound of my pleas. If you would preserve sins, God, who could possibly withstand it? But forgiveness is yours that we may revere you. I have hoped for you, God. My soul has hoped and for your word, I have hoped. My soul is anticipating God, just as those who watch for the dawn are watching for dawn. May Israel always hope toward God, for with God is kindness and he has much redemption and he will redeem Israel from all its misdeeds. Okay, so now we're going to do it together in the Hebrew. You can say it along with me. Shir Hamalot Mima Makim Karatiha Adonai Adonai Shami Akuli Tihiena Asna and Chubot Likol Tahanu Nai Im Avonot Tishmore Ya Adonai Mi Ya Ki Im Him Him Hassa Limaan Kiviti Adonai Kivta Nafshi Vilidvaro Uchulti Nafshi Adonai Mishomrim Laboker Shomrim Laboker Yahel Israel El Adonai, Adonai Hasset Vaharbe O Vidut
1: vehu Death
0: I'll read to you now the chapter that I wrote, capturing the theme of the psalm in my own words. God, I remember to turn to you in tough times, and sometimes I forget that you're there. I turn into control mode and delude myself into thinking I need to manage everything on my own. What a mistake. You are there, just waiting for us to ask you for help. No matter how low I am, no matter what mistakes I've made, you're there, you care, you forgive, you help, and you are kind. May I always remember your presence and love when I am in need. We can say now together this prayer for Israel and the safety of our Israeli soldiers. Dear God, protect the residents of the land of Israel from terror, fear, and danger. Foil the like attempts, attempts of evil, evil people, people to destroy Zion and harm Gift the, the army, with, army wisdom with wisdom and courage, courage to defend, defend our people, people and our land. And our land.
1: Protect, Protect the soldiers of the IDF that they if may they return, return home quickly to their families, families
0: safe and sound. And Allow our fellow seven brothers seven. and sisters in the land of Israel to work, pray, study Torah, celebrate and observe Judaism with with pride and live their their lives lives without anxiety and worry. worry. Bring Bring peace to your holy land quickly. Quickly. Amen. Amen. If any of you have names, the psalm number is 130. If any of you have names of specific family members or loved ones in Israel, please put them on the chat so I can say their names out loud and we can have them all in mind. And in the meantime, we're going to end with one more very short prayer. This is a a prayer for peace for our brothers and sisters all over the world. We'll say it again together, first in English and then Hebrew. Our brothers, um, I'll add, and sisters, our brothers and sisters, the whole house of Israel, who are in distress and captivity, who wander over sea and over land, May God have, have mercy, mercy on, them on them and bring them, bring them from, distress from distress to comfort, from darkness to, to light, from slavery to redemption. redemption. Now, Thus, with it, and, and and it. Let, us let us say,
2: say amen. amen.
0: And now in Hebrew, Achinu kol bein
1: ayam
0: Uvain Bayabasha Hamakom Yerakim Alehem Vyotzi Mitzara Lirvacha Ume Afela Leora Umi Shibu Ligeula Hashta Baagala Uvizman Kareev Vinomar Okay thank you ladies if you if you sent me a name if you happen to have the hebrew name that would be great um i'm going to add some names of my own i signed up for a soldier to pray for and i've been praying for him every day if you would like to know how to do that i can tell you how to do that after Avichai Morris Ben Michel Avraham Ben Alana Zacharia Ben Saratikva Noah Moshe Shlomo Ben Rachel Efrat Shashana or El Ben Tadellachaya Tamarina Bat Sarah Rivka Ben Agis Yotam Simcha Ben Shulamit Shashana Goldsmith Yaakov Eliyahu Ram Ben Halia um, JoJo Atias I don't know his his full Hebrew name May Hashem May God keep them safe and healthy, and capable, and strong, and courageous Yosef Atias ben Chana, and allow them to wipe out evil, and come back safely to, fam- to their families, and restore peace, and Avraham Rafal ben Tobalaya, Efrat ben Ira, and in the memory of Shlomo Ron. Okay, so... You know, I always say we feel helpless. We don't know what to do. But one thing we can most certainly do is to pray and to study Torah Mm -hmm. on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Israel. And that is not only something that we can do, but something very important that we can do. And if you speak to anyone in Israel, if you're in touch with anyone in Israel, please let them know that we are praying and studying Torah on their behalf. And it really sends so much morale to those in Israel, to know that we are activated on their behalf, that we're speaking up, that we are performing acts of kindness and prayer and Torah, and that we're doing whatever we can from the places where we are. Okay. So give me one in here. All right, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm finding it hard to keep my act together in these crazy times. So I'm just a little disorganized here. Okay,
3: see, we're all the same.
0: Yeah, we're all the same. Okay, thank you, Sherry. Edith Pallor, Danny Pallor, Nahama Pallor, Joel Weingarten, and Jeff Fantel. Thank you. Okay. Torah, the battery pack of the Jewish people, right? We haven't survived by default. We haven't survived by happenstance. We have survived because we're attached to something eternal, and that is God and the Torah. And our survival has always been nothing short of a miracle, and we believe in miracles, and we believe that God will continue to keep the Jewish people alive and well and keep the land of Israel alive and well, and we will continue to believe and to pray and to connect and to not despair. Okay, let us get started. We are beginning chapter 18 today, so that's very exciting. Um, and also, uh, as I'm sure many of you will not be the slightest bit surprised to learn. Um, momentum trips have been canceled for October, so I am here for the rest of the month, which is obviously not the news that any of us wanted, but it means that we will continue our Torah study uninterrupted for the duration of the month. So that's that's a good thing, right? Okay. Um. Actually, we already started chapter 18. We did uh, verses one, two, and three. So we're going to continue now with verse four. All right. So we're talking about this um, people who um, have contempt for other people. That's where we that's where we ended last time. Okay. Number four, verse four. Um, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters, a welling brook a fountain head of wisdom. Okay? So we're talking here about the power of words, um which is actually very interesting in our the times that we're living in right now because um aside from the war that, you know, we're fighting against terror in Israel, we know that there is also an extremely powerful war of words um unfolding on the international stage through social media. I was shocked But also not surprised. Um, I don't know how many of you follow Jessica Yellen. She has a news site uh, called News Not Noise that I follow. And I find her to be very balanced and nuanced. Uh, I don't always agree with her political beliefs, but I find her to be very balanced and nuanced. And she put out something yesterday about Israel. And there were comments on her social media feed claiming, like literally like Holocaust denial, that these videos of the terrorist attack are fake news and they're really the IDF. And I'm like, unbelievable. We're surprised that people are denying the Holocaust, which happened 50, 60 years ago. And here are people denying something that happened less than a week ago. It's shocking, but not surprising. And I had a college class Zoom last night. And I was asking the kids, what are they seeing on their college campuses? And they're like, we really need the words to say, to explain. We really, and I was talking to them about how to communicate, you know, with people who think that this is not a big deal or that this is some kind of justified retaliation. So it is by all means a war of words that is happening in our culture and in our society. So we need to have wise words and we need to know what to say. The commentary on page 188, when a person speaks of matters of moral wisdom, it is like drawing water from a deep well. For wisdom is hidden deep in the psyche, These Are things that we know like deep in our kishkas, but We're not, we're not super clear on what to say or how to say it, it has to be like almost drawn up like from a deep well, and therefore when we hear other people saying wise words, and this is why it's so important to know where you're getting your information from, so you're following words of wisdom, so When we find people who have wise words, we want to listen to them very carefully and we want to note them and remember them so that we can use those wise words, even if we don't feel that we have the words ourselves, but that we can utilize the wisdom of others in the war of words. At the same time, it flows constantly and effortlessly for it rises from the very nature of the soul and would burst forth spontaneously would it not for a man's physical drives that block its passage. So on the one hand, the wisdom is hard to get. It has to be like drawn from a deep well. On the other hand, everybody has wisdom because everybody has a soul. And so it's really just about tuning into the wisdom of your soul. But what's wrong? There are so many blockages. Because sometimes, you know, as we've said many times, our wise voice is speaking, but there are a lot of things that we want to do. And sometimes that wise voice is really very inconvenient. So we have to figure out what are the blockages? What is standing between me and my still silent inner voice of wisdom? Right. I do feel that in our current times, I'm definitely seeing. And I don't know, maybe you guys are too. This renaissance of connection of people seeking wisdom. I saw this at the very beginning of COVID as well. When people feel totally shaken, totally scared and confused. But this is different because this is about Judaism. And I'm finding that Jews are seeking Jewish wisdom. Jews who are most of the time happy to just sort of la-di-da, go about their lives, not that concerned with Judaism. Maybe it's just a cultural part of their life. But now those people are starving for Jewish wisdom and they're starving for connection and they're starving for spiritual nourishment. And I'm definitely seeing that from where I'm standing. I don't know if you guys, are you guys seeing that at all in your circles? Are you seeing this interest, this hunger, this desire for connection?
2: in people of my
0: age yes not in, in the kids oh interesting
2: I see that with some people's kids mine are a little different but I just see people coming together mm-hmm. you know I mean in droves uh-huh. where we were standing outside a shule yesterday and I I said to my son who's 17 I said you have your kippah right I didn't tell him to put it on I just asked him if he had it and he goes, I'm afraid to put it on. And I said, well, you can be afraid, but nothing's going to happen to you before it happens to me. And you're completely safe here. So I just, I didn't want to make a big deal of it. I just wanted him to know it was a him thing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
2: But and- those are the words, right? Because he never experienced anything. Thank God. He just.
0: Right. Here okay so the commentary finishes um where it not for man's physical drives that block its passage and make strong effort necessary to draw it back up to the surface so i feel like i feel like a lot of jews have access to their wisdom but they don't necessarily hear that voice all the time because there are blockages and i feel like now some of those blockages are being stripped away and people are people are seeing anti-Semitism for exactly what it is. And it's like things are crystal clear now in a way that they didn't used to be. So I feel like it, this is a unique time where we have unique access to wisdom, to seeing things clearly. And we have to draw those words out of the deep well. A friend of mine who came with me to Israel a year ago um, just shared with me a letter that she wrote to the superintendent of her kid's school. They It took them a lot of days to send out a message. And when they finally did, it was mostly about, oh, parents, you know, make sure your kids don't see graphic images on social media. And we're sorry for the horror that many people are experiencing. No word of terror, no word of Israel, no message of solidarity, you know, and she wrote a letter. And I was like, she's like, I I don't know where these words are coming, you know, like, but somehow now I feel like we have access to the words. And if we don't have access to the words, we need to find those who have access to the words, because
1: make no mistake, this is a war of words. I just finished listening to a podcast about anti-Semitism in law schools and on the campuses and some of the wild things that some of some of the students have been writing. And when they were published, some of the law firms rescinded offers of employment to those who published those words. Wow. So it's happening there's wow. okay yeah and maybe the law schools themselves will start to think about monitoring and not allowing some of the outrageous verbiage that has gone on
0: unbelievable yeah again shocking but not surprising no
4: yeah. really? <clears throat> i Hi, don't you know, i don't know if my kids i'm going to remind them <laughs> Um, those when they can to come to the college musar. I don't know if they were available or were there but um one of the things I see as a problem is not just from the outside are we getting um words of of justification and and what about isms and that sort of thing but even Jews are saying things to each other like oh it's the president you elected's fault because of Iran. And if we elected the president, I'm trying not to name names, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. There's, Jews are saying it to my kids. And my kids are saying, what do I say? And I use your line of, you don't have to RSVP, yes, <laughs> every argument you're invited for. I said, don't take the bait. You need to say, we need to be, the, we why we should not be divisive right now. We need to come together. That's Look right. To Israel as an example of coming together. I I just heard. I don't know if this is public. Everybody knows this, but I just heard on some news that um the WhatsApp chats where they were, in my opinion, legitimately um. Uh, uh, using the WhatsApp chats to um, mobilize protests against, you know, some of what was going on in the government. Immediately on a dime, those WhatsApp chats were turned around for how to help. I mean, wow. Luanne McKim, that were. Boycotting the government and the ones that weren't, and the Orthodox and non Orthodox, everybody coming together and they're driving their cars down the high, highway, honking, yelling to each other, offering sandwiches out their windows, wow. parked, line, parked lining the highway of all the people that are coming to serve. Wow. So I'm trying to give my kids the language to say, don't do this. Right. We don't divide us.
0: That's we right. Enough coming from the outside. Do not divide us by exactly. saying. Like this. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and there may be a time for those conversations. This is not it.
3: rohi okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to record something that I saw this morning on MSNBC, which would be, it's such a great, um, interview with, De, um, I'm, what's his name, Jerome Spellman? Jerome, he's the general, the Israeli general. I oh. don't know if you, you know who that is. But anyway, he, he spells it out. And it's just because I think it's on MSNBC, it would attract the MSNBC watcher and the, the non-NBC watcher. And it's an excellent, simple way that he is spelling out who Hamas is, why they're in this war. It is just, that's what it is, what Hamas does. um, And it is so crystal clear how, you know, he even goes back to when he was pulling people out in 2005 um, out of Gaza and how there's been no occupation. You know, he really lays it out. And those, just when you're saying wise words, Uh he is explaining it perfectly. And I wish every single person who is a non-believer of, you know, what's going on could see this man cuz he just kind of lays it out and if I can I'll try to send it to you cuz yeah. I think it's an interview Thanks, really and, and, and
2: really good
0: and i and that's great and and please do share it and i hope everybody watches it and also i don't think that you have to be so articulate or so intelligent or such an expert on middle east affairs or such an expert in history to understand the difference between terror and war It's not that complicated. The history of the region is complicated, no doubt. But terror is terror. And that's where you draw the line. The bottom line is that Hamas glorifies death. And the IDF does not. It's that simple. He called it a death cult. Yeah. I think he said it's a
3: cult who wants death for Jews. And it, it just, you know, obviously we all agree the you don't have, there is no second, there's no other side, period.
0: Right. That's right. Absolutely right. Okay. Let us move on to verses five and six, which we are going to do together. It is not good to show favor to a wicked person. I mean, is it chilling that we're learning this today? I mean, Torah is always exactly what you needed to hear. So, pertinent. Right? Restraint? <laughs> restraint in the face of evil? I don't think so. It is not good to show favor to a wicked person. <inaudible> nor to subvert the justice of a righteous person. Six, <inaudible> a fool's lips enter into contention. so what is this referring to the commentary says on page 189 with his uncertainties and doubts um i just want to point out in verse five we say say eight a russia a russia in hebrew is a wicked evil person i know it sounds a lot like russia the country i i get the irony and by the way Here's another insane irony. Some of you may be familiar that in the month of Elul leading up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and all the way through Sukkot, many people have a custom to recite Psalm 27. Psalm 27, which was written by King David. Hold on. Let me see. Let me just pull it up quickly because I have to read it to you. It's actually mind boggling. The word Hamas, which is Arabic, I presume, and I don't know what it means in Arabic, but the word Hamas in Hebrew means violence. Um, I actually saw a sign, one of the IDF soldiers holding up a sign that says, more Hamas, less that's
1: like you
0: know you see these little glimmers of humor in this dark time it just shows you the resiliency and the spirit of the Jew it's actually incredible um so chapter 27 in the book of Psalms listen to what it says um give me one second to find it okay This is verse 11. Teach me your way, God. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Okay, here's number 12. Do not give me up to the will of my enemies. For false witnesses have risen up against me. And those who breathe violence. You hear this? Those who breathe violence. This is what people were saying. Many people, myself included, said this verse of Psalms every single day for 40 days leading up to the massacre. And then listen up to the next one. <speaking in Hebrew> were it not that I believe I should see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? And the final verse <speaking in Hebrew> wait for God, hope to God. <speaking in Hebrew> Be courageous and he will strengthen your heart and hope to God. Isn't that unbelievable? So when we talk about a Russia, a wicked person, right, that is a very deliberate term. We're not talking about people who aren't so nice or who don't like the Jews or who challenge your spiritual living. We're talking about evil. Okay. And that is not a term applied Lightly. Okay. So, this evil person, so to the commentary with his uncertainties and doubts about the laws of moral wisdom, the skeptic may keep silent about the inscrutable ways of divine providence. Right? What does that mean? It means that people who are wicked choose to believe what is convenient for them to believe and they explain away everything else. Somehow they have a way of explaining things. Twisting things, making things make sense that don't make sense. The fool knows the validity of moral wisdom, but prefers to indulge his cravings and desires. So that's different from somebody who understands what's right and wrong, but they just have a hard time following through with it. His lips enter into contention. Um, Queer is queer querulously protesting that is the Almighty's way to show favor to a wicked man and to subvert the justice of a righteous person So this this is somebody who sees bad things happening to good people and good things happening to bad people right and they struggle they have a hard time understanding God's ways right and th- that's a legitimate question to have. I have the same question when I look at what's going on in Israel and I'm like, how could so many good people be suffering so badly? But I don't believe that the bad people are prospering. It's a terrible, terrible state of affairs. I, I never in a million years would I rather be the aggressor than the victim. Thank God we are not as the Jewish people on that side of history. They don't have it good. I can't imagine what it is like. My daughter was saying to me, "I don't understand. I don't understand. How do terrorist organizations start? Like whose idea is it? You know?" And I'm like, "Good." I hope you never understand. I hope I never understand. What could possibly compel a human being to act, I would say like an animal, but an animal is too good. An animal just operates on instinct. An animal kills if he's hungry because that's how God made him. An animal doesn't have a moral conscience. A human being who acts like that is worse than an animal because he has a moral conscience and he has wisdom and he has intelligence. And he is using that wisdom and that moral intelligence to twist things and to make them make sense to him when they don't make sense to him. No, I don't believe that that person can possibly face themselves in the mirror. And I don't believe that person can possibly sleep at night. Evil men prosper and at suffers. The fool's outer spiritual talk is already in conflict with divine providence. So we have to assert to ourselves that justice will reign. We cannot give in to despair. We cannot believe that the good people will be destroyed and the wicked people will prosper. If you look back at thousands of years of Jewish history, going back to our first national oppressor, the Egyptians, Every single nation, and I am no expert historian, but I know enough about Jewish history to tell you I could list 10 right off the top of my head, strong, powerful nations who have oppressed the Jewish people and are no longer. And here we are. Am Yisrael chai. We are small, but we are mighty, and we are proud, and we are resilient, and we are forever, and we are not going anywhere. So, who emerges as victorious in the long view of history? We do, and you know where our enemies are gone in the dustbin of history. When he speaks with his wisdom. He becomes more strident and hostile. This is the bad person to the point of physical blows. So again, how much power is put into speech? When bad people say bad things, they believe them and they make them make sense. When somebody says, well, what do you want from the residents of Gaza? They've been oppressed by the Jews for 75 years. The Jews did not rule Gaza for 75 years. There are factual issues here. But the more people spout lies, the more they believe their lies. So we have to counter with the opposite. We need to use our power of speech for the good. We need to use our power of speech to fight hate and to to spout truth and to learn the truth and to know the truth and to confidently speak up for the truth. A few of the women who came with me to Israel were talking about their you know, respective places of employment and the courage that it takes in these non-Jewish spaces to speak up and correct these evil ways of thinking. It's not easy to do that. You know, I, I mean, I work for a George organization. I work for myself. I don't have to be scared. But one of my friends got on, you know, her work Instagram page, which she only uses for work, and she made a video. A couple of my friends did this and One of my friends got so much hate on her Instagram page. It was mind-boggling, but she did it anyways. And she stayed courageous and and she didn't back down. So just as evil people are using their words to twist logic and to twist truth, we have to use our words to support logic and to support truth. Evil people are using the words for hate. We have to use our words for love. You know what we have to do? The more people hate us, we have to love on each other even harder. And be good to each other even more. And I don't know. I'm sure you guys are all seeing the videos coming out of Israel of our nation supporting each other, throwing food, pizza, Coke, seat. I mean, it's like mind boggling. I saw a video, a picture of these two soldiers holding tampons and pads. And with like this little smile on their face, they're like, whoops, looks like we got the wrong package, you know, but just the humor and the light and the love and the generosity that is coming out of Israel, barbecues, you know, for the soldiers. I mean, it's just beautiful. That's what we need. That's what the power of speech is for. And that's what our wisdom is for. And that's what we have to keep doing more and more of in these terrible times. Okay. Thoughts, comments, questions.
5: I love that Chabad, I think it's Chabad, has been going around and blaring music and they get out of the vehicle and they grab the soldiers and they start dancing with them and you just see how uplifting it is.
0: I think that's Breslav.
5: Breslav, thank you. Breslav is super into the singing and dancing. Yeah, (laughs) yes. What was I thinking? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's so beautiful. Beautiful. And oh my gosh, to see that the soldiers... Who are completely secular, they want tzitzit and, and watching these ultra religious people making tzitzit, like so quickly turning them out and tying the strings and sewing them. I'm like, oh my God, it's so beautiful.
0: I know it's beautiful. You know, it's a, it's a terrible time, but it, it, it is a beautiful time to be a Jew. I have not been this proud of us in a long time. You know, Agreed. I feel like I am so, so proud of us. Look at us rising to the occasion. We are rock stars. Amazing. You
1: know? Mm -hmm. Robin. Um, So this is maybe premature. Maybe this is better for the end of this um, class. This is my third class this week too with you. Um, And I've really thought of them more as therapy sessions, honestly. And I think everybody's kind of coming together for partially for that. Um, on the pragmatic part of it, I and I was actually going to message you about this, and maybe other people are experiencing this. So this is why I'm bringing it up. I understand the good part of it and all that, but there have definitely been some situations where people um, seem very unaware of what's going on and immediately turn it political. And I've sort of struggled with that because I don't see myself, you know, I'm not a political person, and I don't see that is this the time? This is necessarily the time for this, and I haven't really known. I'm trying really hard to not internalize it and feel like these people are not friends of mine. And I, I sp- spoke with my son yesterday and he said, you know, it's it's hard for people to understand. A lot of non-Jews understand, but many don't. Um, and I don't know the pragmatic. I understand the pragmatic of doing good, of doing mitzvot and giving charity and doing all these good things. I don't understand the flip side where people are not just to, the humane part of it. You know, like not the denial part, but the humane part, how people are acknowledging what's going on to people um, and just saying, well, you know, I had a friend say, well, you know, look who everyone voted for. And I'm like, that's what we're talking about.
0: Right, right. And I I don't know the
1: pragmatic part. I don't know how to answer those things or discuss them.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think this is, this is what we were saying before about pulling that wisdom out of that deep well, you know, and usually, I'm a non-confrontational person and I'm kind of into live and let live, but I think this is an exception. I think this is a time where we have to force ourselves to speak up, to speak up respectfully and to speak up non-emotionally as as difficult as that is, but to speak up. And, you know, if someone says something like, well, there's violence on both sides, you know, I hope that I would say, can I offer you another way of looking at that? You know, and if the person says yes, I would say, I think there's a difference between a terror attack where innocent men, women and children are being barbarically and horrifically slaughtered in a glorification of death than the kind of conflict that happens during war. I think there is a difference. And I would make sure that my response was measured so that it could be received and heard, you know? And I I would say to the person, maybe you don't see it that way, and that's okay. My job is not to change people's minds. My job is to not be silent. And whether I change their minds or not, that's not up to me. That's going to be up to them, and that's going to be up to their mindset, if they're actually open. You know, when I was talking to these college kids last night, I said to them, you know, your friends on campus who are, you know, responding to this massacre with a free Palestine protest, which I said to them, you want Palestine to be free? That's great. I also want Palestine to be free. Frankly, I want everybody to be free. I think it's a little tone deaf to have a free Palestine rally now. But okay, put that aside. I said, your friends are young, just like you. How old are they? They're an undergrad. They're 18, 19, 20, 21. I said, their thoughts are still being formed just as your thoughts are still being formed. And if you can bring yourself to offer an intelligent, measured, non-emotional, respectful way of looking at things, they may not agree with you and they may not listen to you in the moment, but you have planted a seed. And one day they will remember that they met a Jew who looked at it this way, not out of anger And not out of triggering and not because they were baited and so they just said the first impulsive emotional thing that popped into their heads, right? But because they genuinely believe in a rational truth of right and wrong in this world, I believe we're planting seeds. And guess what? Even if you're 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, you're still becoming. We can still all hear things and perspectives that will change the way we think and that will alter our perspectives. And so even if, Robin, you don't necessarily know what to say, but the worst thing is to say nothing. You know, in my Monday night class, I mentioned Irina Sendler. Irina Sendler was a Catholic social worker who lived in Warsaw during the Warsaw Ghetto. Mm -hmm. And she rescued thousands of Jewish children from the ghetto, from her social work connections. And she was able to rescue these people. And there there was a book and I think it was a movie about her written. It's called Life in a Jar. Fascinating story. And when she talks about what prompted or inspired her to risk her life and her career for Jews, she wasn't Jewish. She was Catholic. And she quotes her father. And she said that her father always used to tell to her, say to her, Irina, if somebody's drowning, we jump, jump in and save them. And she said to her father, but what if I can't swim? And he said, I don't know the answer to that. But one thing I know, you can't do nothing. And she said, that's what inspired her to do what she did. Did she know how to swim? She didn't know how to swim. She didn't know what she was doing. She was also like in her 20s. She was young. She wasn't some... You know, trained spy or militia activist. She was just a nice, you know, Catholic social worker. But one thing she knew is that she couldn't do nothing. And I feel like when I speak to my Israeli friends and I tell them we're with you, we're thinking of you, we're praying for you, you know what they want from us? They want our words. They want us to share and spread the truth. And if we're not there, and we're not putting on our army fatigues and we're not fighting in the war physically, we have to fight in this intellectual war and we have to not be quiet. So I don't know if that answers your question directly,
1: Robin. Yeah, no, I think it does. And I mean, I think it's a little more subtle. I might be easier for me to answer the, that, you know, the example of, um, so many people have suffered on both sides. It's more of the subtle stuff that I'm struggling with than not saying anything. And that was a discussion I had with my son who said, "You know, he's in getting his MBA in Chicago. And he said that as the Jewish kids are all coming together they're all experiencing the same thing. And I don't wanna believe that to be the case because, but I think this is in many ways, I mean, maybe it's wrong to say, I think this really is just collectively it's just such an intense experience for Jews and it's hard I think for other people to fully understand it. And maybe that's what I'm struggling with. It's that I want somebody to say to me, like, you know, how do you like, how are your friends in Israel? Simple things, which I would hope I would say that. Right. I would hope it would be like this person you describe. but, you know, I think it's, this is very much part right. of our world.
0: Well, I I do have to say something about that. And I'll, I'll close with this. with this. I am hearing from a lot of my Jewish friends, a profound sense of disappointment at the silence from their non-Jewish friends, mm-hmm. and especially Jewish people who are activated when it comes to other people suffering, people who speak out when it's Black Lives Matter and people who speak out when it's Ukraine and people who sp- speak out against all persecuted minority. And then they're like, excuse me. So when it's my turn, where are all my friends? Where are all those people in these progressive spaces, and why are they not supporting us when we're the persecuted minority, right? And I understand that frustration and their outrage, but I have to tell you something. The Jewish people have a divine mandate to be a light unto the nations. And I believe that that's why Jewish people feel such an intense, and, and I think a lot of Jewish people don't even know why they feel this. But I believe that that's why so many Jewish people feel this intense need to champion the cause of the underdog, because we are told in the Torah to look out for the stranger because you were a stranger in the strange land. And it's baked into our DNA and our intergenerational national trauma that we know what it's like to be a victim. So we are going to stand up for the victim. Now, would you have to understand is that people who are not Jews do not have that same genetic mandate. It is not their job to be a light into the nations. It is our job to be a light into the nations. And that is why Jews historically have been on the forefront of every social justice and civic and civil rights cause in history. Because it's baked into our DNA that we have to be a light into the nations, that we have to champion the cause of the underdog. In fact, how many Jews are champion, or at least until now, have been championing the cause of Palestinians? It's coming from the same place. We know what it's like to be a victim. And so we are going to help the victim. But guess what? The rest of the world is not us. And the rest of the world doesn't feel that urgency. They are not created to be led into the nations we are so to have an expectation that our non-jewish friends will act jewish it's just not realistic
2: i want to can i add to that really and maybe yeah. this will help, robin i think and i have been um i'm a humanist and a humanitarian you know I, I'm a humanist, and I i just, we all hate when children are being killed, whether they're Palestinian or Israeli, of course. I think we have to remind people that we are fighting against Hamas and not innocent Palestinian men, women, and children, because Hamas is the evil. It's like the Nazis for me, and we hate Nazis. We don't hate all German generations of people we have to stop hating the people who weren't nazis and i think and this is unpopular no of course we hate evil
0: we hate we hate
2: right so of course 100 percent I agree coming together is important, but I do think that if we also, and I'm not saying we acknowledge both sides or anything like that, there's only one side to this. But I had a disagreement yesterday with a a very dear friend, and I'm going to talk to her today, hopefully before Shabbos or before Shabbos. We have to remind people that we are not anti-Palestinian peacekeepers. We are anti-Hamas. We are anti ISIS. We are anti Al Qaeda. We are anti Hezbollah. We are ant not anti blowing wow. up. Your... No, I'm talking, honey. Give me a minute. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm taking care of Noah. I'm with Noah. We we are anti blowing up anybody's grandchildren, grandchildren and grand. We
0: are anti evil. It's that simple.
2: Yes, but a lot of people are equating Palestinians with Hamas, and I just we have to be careful also not to. I feel my opinion is fall into that category. Yeah.
0: I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thanks for letting me say it because it's hard for me to say a lot of people don't agree with me, but I, I, I have to keep saying this. I, I I do believe when that building comes down, there are children in that building.
0: Yeah. And and I've heard people say, let's just march into Gaza.
2: They're not Hamas Hamas children. (laughs) Those, Those are not Hamas children. They use them as shields and that's terrifying. Right. And I'm not saying that it's right. It's sickening,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: I'm just, I, I, I have to keep speaking up about this.
0: Yeah. No, appreciate that distinction. I think that when we, when we stop distinguishing, then, then that that's the same thing as the evil that we're, that we're against, you know, where people are like we yeah. should just march into Gaza and kill all all men, women, and children. But then why is that not the same thing? Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
4: there's a good visual that um, simply says Middle East explained and it says Hamas on one side, Israel on the other It has a picture of one with the uh, Uzi or I don't know what they're called. Uh, <laughs> um, it, with a baby carriage in front, that's Hamas and one with the baby carriage behind him. That's Israel. I mean, I can. Wow. But yeah, please
0: I, do. Please do share good. that. I think anything I'd like to that simplifies the situation and gives us words is helpful. Absolutely.
5: Can Thank I you. say something?
0: Yes, go ahead, Heather, Hi. and then we'll close. Thank you.
5: Sure. One of the things I've said to people who play that, the, the political game of like, this is your fault because you voted for X, yeah. right? In any time, it could have been two elections ago, this election, whatever. And, I, or they're like, they cheated. They totally cheated. And if it's somebody who has any faith in God whatsoever, I'm just like, you're removing God from the picture, right? Like the person who won, God chose to win. Like we need to do our due diligence and any decision that we make with love and education was the right decision for us at the time. Mm-hmm. And like, but the result turns up to us. And I'm just like, I don't need to worry about people cheating because like I just know that it doesn't matter <laughs> whoever wants right. the spot is going to get that spot.
0: That's right. That's right. And that's what King Solomon says over and over and over again in this book. He says don't be afraid of the bad guys who look like they're winning because there is ultimate justice in this world and we do we have to hang on to that thought and it will give us courage and hope in these tough times. Okay. Okay ladies, thank exactly. you so much for all your participation and for your Torah study may it be a merit for all the names that were posted and all of our friends and family and all of our all of our family of Israel. Amen. 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 Thank, you, guys. Rocky. Shabbat shalom. thank you. Thank you.